He shoots, he draws is sponsored by Westcott in association with JP Distribution. Welcome to the He Shoots, He Draws podcast, the show about photography and design, with your hosts, Glyn Dewis and Dave Clayton. Hello and welcome back to another episode of He Shoots, He Draws. As always, I'm here with my ever-present buddy, Dave. Now, I'm going to let Dave speak in a minute because, obviously, with this being Friday, it's an interview day. And Dave did an interview that I didn't actually know he was doing, but I've listened to it. It's absolutely bang on. But, Dave, I'm going to let you tell the folks who this interview is with. Yep. Hello, mate. Yeah, it was a bit of a surprise one because I'd arranged with um, with our guest, Dickie, Dickie Pelham, who's the chief photographer for the Sun newspaper in the UK, Um and he suddenly messaged me out of the blue and I actually thought we were doing the interview on a different day. And he was like, Dave, I'm ready tonight. I've got all the gear in the England camp. I'm in the hotel. I've got the Wi-Fi. So I was like, oh, OK, let's come with it. Yeah, because he's, so, he's actually um, not in the UK, is he? He actually really no, is no, out there doing it. He's out there in Russia. He's with the England team. So his chief responsibility, I mean, they explain it in the episode, yeah. but basically he he's following England at the World Cup. And right. then depending on how far England get on, he will could possibly go on and record uh shoot the final but at the moment his prime that's job hopeful. is to follow the england that's team. been very yeah hopeful. i know very hopeful we'll be home early <laughs> but mate i've, I've listened to obviously because i've uh, i have listened to this episode because i've put it all together for the edit and i absolutely loved it i've actually listened to it twice i think for folks who aren't even football fans like me to be honest with you if you like photography you're going to love this because dickie really does go into detail about how the technology has changed what he, how it's changed for him being a sports photographer, and all the kind of, I don't know, all the kind of behind the scenes stuff of being a sports photographer at such a high level. I absolutely loved it. Could never do it, but I absolutely loved hearing all about it. So, uh, Dave, uh, anything else you want to say before we actually bring Dickie in on this one? Yeah, no, um, as we mentioned in the episode, we were talking on the Thursday night and England had obviously won their first game and we recorded it. Now, today we're recording this intro on Sunday and England have just played their second game where they won 6-1 against Panama, um, which means they've qualified. Um, This is more for the American audience, but it means they've qualified from their group to go into the next stage. So, But they've still got one more game to play. So Dickie will be actually travelling out on Thursday, as he mentions in the interview, to to shoot the England-Belgium game. Um, And England-Belgium have qualified. So they're playing to see who finishes top. And they'll go through. So, um, yeah, so as of today, I'm a happy England fan because we've just won (laughs) another game. That's always good. But, um, yep, as usual, let's start the interview in the traditional Glyn Dewis introduction. Well, let's do it a little bit differently. So let's go, Dickie, who are you and where are you? I am Richard Pelham. I am the chief sports photographer at the Sun newspaper, and I'm currently in the uh, very darkened room of the England Media Centre in Rapino, Russia, just outside St. Petersburg. And that's for working for the Sun at the World Cup? Yeah, that's my job every day. I cover the England team, whatever they're doing in the morning, in the afternoon. I'll be photographing them. And then we uh, move off to do the games. Uh, Last week, we went off to our first match against Tunisia and we had a great result. So how many days before that starts do you get out there then, Dickie? Is is it like, do you need a couple of days for prep? Yeah, we came out. This one wasn't so bad. They'd done all their preparation at St George's Park. They did all their training up there in uh, Burton. Other times I've been to World Cups and I've gone to America like Miami for 10 days, but they kept it really short. They literally come in two days before the Russia played their first game. I've been here about nine days now. Uh, it's quite a good place, but you don't get too much uh, night time here because it stays bright all the time. I'm looking out to my left now and yes, it's 11, a quarter past 11. It's still bright. Really? So what, yep. you're up the top near Finland, that, that kind of area? That's it, yeah, right up the top where it, it barely gets dark. <laughs> but the sea is cold. I dipped my uh, toes in the sea the other day and it's about 12 degrees. It's freezing. Oh, wow. Yeah, I must admit, I don't think of, of Russia as being a warm place. Apologies to any Russians listening, but yeah, it's not a place I think of the summertime. So this is a very upmarket area. Right? Very, very quiet. People come here for the weekends if you've got money. Oh, okay. So... So that a lot of the England fans are presumably like camped there and then they'll move around as you move around. No, no England no? fans. It's just the team and locals and locals. There was 
when I went, when we went to do England the other day, they reckon there was there was only about fifteen hundred to two thousand England fans, which was really surprising for this wow. World Cup. But I think people have been put off by the horror stories over here, but there's been no horror stories at all. Nothing. Yeah, at all. well, we we were watching it the other day, and I was saying to my brother, like we we're watching games like Peru and. Um, uh, some of the other like smaller not smaller countries but not not like your spains and portugals and the stadiums were full yeah and it's yeah. like what what a, you know to kind of travel from the other side of the world and watch your nation and yeah. you just see like the stadium or right, i know there's some of them like 30 40 000 seat stadiums but it was great to see like the turnout given that it is russia and you know it's not the easiest place to get to i, I guess at the best of times but Vol- um, yeah volgograd was you know we left here at 23.25 a.m. And we had to then fly at 5.25 a.m. up to Moscow. Then we had an hour and a half turnaround. Then we went down to Volgograd. That was over a 1,000 miles of travelling. It was very, very tiring, very tiring. We was shattered when we got there. And then the heat in Volgograd compared with this place, it was up to nearly 29, 30 degrees. It was roasting, as well as, wow. the, fly- as the flies and the midges buzzing it all around you when you were taking pictures you probably see that with the uh yeah the players the england on the pitch. Yeah, yeah yeah so how many miles do you get under your belt f- just for covering england at the moment in the group stages it will be a thousand miles for that first game the second game on sunday in tune we play tunisia on the weekend that's going to be another 800 miles and the third game against Belgium, which is the big game. I think we have to cross Polish airspace and then back into Russia. And that wow. will be about 1,500 to 2,000 miles, I reckon. Wow. That's certainly some miles to get under your belt. How much did you do? Because we'll talk about your World Cup history, actually. Well, before yep. I ask this question, is yep. how this is your, uh, what, your, how many World Cups have you done now? This is my seventh World Cup, my first World Cup was 1994 uh that was in america and i had the privilege of uh covering the republic of ireland jack charlton's republic of ireland in my first world cup because yeah, england didn't qualify so it yeah, was four weeks four weeks in disney world and the odd trip to new york so it wasn't too bad <laughs> i was gonna say it's a big old country to cover because i know that the matches were played all over and yeah. and obviously back then all right, we're only talking 1994, but even from an equipment point of view, um, like now, everything's so instant. But back then, you had, I guess you had a lot more preparation. You're shooting film, I guess. Yeah, we were shooting film. I think when we went out there, I had two suitcases full of equipment, uh, illegally carrying powdered developer in, in the hold of the plane to take to America. We was taking, there must have been 100 ASA rolls of films. People might not know of them. 400 ASA rolls of film because of the light. And then the yeah. odd few rolls of 1,600 ASA because because of the night games as well. Then you've got uh, developing equipment, tanks, tank bags. It might have dropped to the off a bit of methylated spirits to dry the film. That was totally <laughs> illegal as well on the plane. Don't, uh, don't tell customs. And then... <laughs> There was the power inverters that probably weighed six kilos because you just couldn't plug a computer in that day and age. You had to, to use a power inverter. Right. Oh, yeah, because of the 110 volt. That's right. Yeah, that's right. So you started back in the day of, obviously, print and that being your first World Cup. Yeah. So how was that experience as a, like a World Cup rookie? What, what was your preparation for that World Cup? The preparation for the World Cup was there was a five-hour time difference uh, compared with the UK, we was working for the Irish titles, so we had to get the pictures in really, really early as well. So you'd have an hour at training, not even that, 30 minutes at training, then you were back in the Mustang convertible and you were back to the hotel processing the films in, in your bathroom, probably getting bleach fix all down <laughs> the uh, side of the uh, the baths and everything and ruining that. And then you was filing into addition in, in them days, it wasn't like having Wi-Fi. You'd uh, you could send one picture once every nine minutes. Wow! So you had to properly get the right shot at the match then. Yep, yep. Or the training session, you had to make every every picture count. You know, you didn't want to be developing three and four roles. It's you know we're a joke saying pick a role because sometimes you would help out your mates and dev a role for him while he's covering yeah. you at training. You know that's that's what it was like. That's when you you had to edit. 
this day and age, digital cameras, you scroll through the back, you scroll through the back screen, your images are there, you've got it connected to an Ethernet cable, press the button, it's in London 30 seconds later, it's completely yeah. changed. Yeah, listen, it's revolutionized the industry, but in them days, it was hard graft. It's hard graft now, you have to carry all this equipment still. Yeah. So from that first World Cup then in 94, uh, which World Cup did you then have the introduction of like the first digital of, of swapping over and how much time did you have between digital becoming your tool of the trade and then shooting a World Cup? It, it was, it was. I remember Euro 96, we had one digital camera in the cupboard, which was an old camera which had a little square in the middle and you had to get your, your subject in the middle of that, but you had no... No video screen on the back, but in anger that summer as well, I took it to the Olympic Games and uh, we worked as a pool because the Times owned, the Sun owned the Times. So yeah. I had the digital camera. There was a woman named Michelle Smith and she won three Olympic gold medals and the Times wanted it on their front page if she got that third gold medal. And I remember, you know, I got her with that medal and, and got it on the front of the Times with, with that. But football-wise, in anger, 1998, I had a picture editor. Right, okay. uh, it was the France World Cup about two weeks before. The picture editor called me and he goes, oh, I've got a little present for you. I said, oh, yeah, what's that then? He goes, oh, two new digital cameras, £10,000 each. They're Canon. <sighs> I went, I use Nikon. Uh, he said, you'll work it out, son. You're a good lad. And, <laughs> and then I, then I re- no internet, I researched and I found out this uh, guy in good maze named David Leung, he made these brass mounts where you could mount a Nikon lens onto a uh, a Canon camera. It was uh, it was it was fun because as the the, the mount wore because it was brass, it decided yeah. to keep rolling off the uh, off the lens. And I remember once catching the uh, the camera on my instep and then dropping it onto the grass, so it got a safe landing. As I say, typical West Ham trying to play simple football. That's <laughs> <laughs> the West. It's the West Ham way. <laughs> So, so in that period of eight years, then I mean, that ch- photography changed for you in in the way that you shoot and the equipment you've got. And I guess yep. as each World Cup's come along, camera gear's got better, uh, the equipment's got better. So you obviously shoot differently. So what over those period of like the last six World Cups you did, what what I mean, what would you say was your favourite one? Given the like the the equipment you've got and the setup you've got, what one could you really like enjoy because you didn't have that whole film thing to deal with? I think because when it really hit its technology would have been the Germany World Cup because we was on decent megabyte-sized digital cameras. It was good lenses, brilliant lights, excellent communication. So it's probably the Germany World Cup and... I remember there was, I got a really great shot there of uh, we was playing Portugal when you probably remember when Ronaldo did the famous wink for getting uh, Wayne Rooney uh, sent yeah. off. But but the big moment for me was I was right in line of Rooney when he uh, stamped on Ricardo Carvalho's testicles <laughs> and uh, that that got me photographer of the year, luckily. But you know that 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 was that that was when digital really took off for me. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So from then on, and I guess then as digital's come in, which we found today is as digital progressed, there's more photographers getting in, getting into it. So yep. was the was the like the competition harder? Were there more photographers to have to work around a, a game like that now that you've got digital and now it's more accessible? Yeah, definitely in Germany, without a doubt. And, and FIFA do such a great job. When you go to these tournament, you you have a set you have a set chair, but you have you have an Ethernet cable as well. But when you know all these photographers are sending their pictures via agencies, etc., etc., but they're they're going onto your desks as well. And our de- our picture desk can have over ten thousand images from one game for these World Cups. Wow. Yeah, yeah, and the and the editors have to look at every single picture just because just in case there's an a, an amazing moment there, you know, someone getting grabbed somewhere they shouldn't, or hair pulling, or these incidents. You look at VAR, etc. You know, yeah. you still want the the stills picture of it, don't you? Well, that's the thing. It's like that wink, that Ronaldo wink. It's one person's going to get Ronaldo with his eye shut, one's going to yep. get his eye open, yep. and if you're lucky, you're going to get that like half where you can actually see no one, the story happening. But, but no one got that. No one got that wink. No one. Got no. I remember it was a, it was a video grab, but the the still showed the stamp more than the, the TV. So a picture, it, it, 
you know, when you get a stills picture right, it, it beats any TV picture, doesn't it? Yeah. I know one of one of your famous photos, um, which was that England game where they beat Greece to qualify. And you famously got the shot of Beckham, which we will put in the show notes. But tell us a little bit about that match, because obviously you were then on digital and, and it will come into one of the things I was going to ask is about positioning and about, um, like, you know, you've earned your stripes to be in the position where you are. How do you like prepare and plan for something like that when you know players like Beckham and you start to know their personalities? I remember we had two photographers at that match and it's done, someone you know quite well, Mark Robinson, it's done by the yeah. spin of the coin. And I think Mark won the, the spin of the coin and he, and he said, oh, I'm going the far end. And I went, oh, okay, fair enough then. But I know why he said that because I was shooting into the light. But right. moving, moving on to it. I know I know Teddy Sheringham quite well and I know Teddy Sheringham said to Beckham I'm taking this and Bex went no you're not it's too far out for you I'm having this free kick and Beckham stacked up he smashed the ball in we went to the World Cup Beckham goes peeling off to the right but then he stops and he comes back round and he comes back round and he, he comes towards me and I'm on a 400mm lens and it's oh, I'm caught between lenses <laughs> drop down to a 70, uh, a 70 to 200 lens he comes through the middle of it comes through the air and it, it was a great moment. It was a great moment. Made a great picture. And I wanted to talk about the year of it. Which we're going to come on to later because that, that is something I want to talk to you about is the awards thing. But yeah, for like for that image. So obviously you've been in the game a little while. How much, uh, looking back at the shots that you've got, would you ever say there's anyone you've you've got kind of because of your relationship with a player where they know you're there, they know you're going to get a good photo of them because you've done it before. Have you ever had a situation where like you know the players come at you and you've been able to get that shot definitely footballers in the early years when you footballers were more approachable they were they were on your par if you knew them you you got on with them Ian, Ian Wright he's, he's a great great mate of mine he is now I remember we was doing a pre-World Cup tournament in France the year before and he come over to me and he said to me he said Dickie where are you sitting and I went I'll be over there and he goes expect a visit <laughs> that means, and he did. He scored. He rang along, slid it on his knees, and he was in front of us. And, the, and, and, and he, they used to uh, they used to copy celebrations. That who could do the best celebration? Him and Gaza were always yeah. trying to beat each other for their celebrations. And was for those who like for the American audience or rest of the world, if you don't know Gaza, uh, Paul Gascoigne was famously um, played for England, played for Tottenham, Newcastle. And he was a great character. And I know, you know, the famous shot uh, is him leaning back and grabbing uh, Vinnie Jones. No, Vinnie Jones is grabbing Paul Gascoigne's testicles. That's right. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It seems yeah. to be testicles seems to be the thing that gets a great picture. But <laughs> were, were, were players like him? Like, did you look forward to a match because because there was a certain player and you knew you were going to come away with gold? Oh, definitely, yeah. You, you, you knew you was always going to get something. You knew you was going to get a picture. You was guaranteed of a picture. Okay, today today's player, you try, you've got to try and anticipate how they're going to celebrate this competition. Ronaldo, he'll score and he runs along the line and he does that spinning jump, finger out. If you're in that corner, you're going to get that celebration. The other night, Harry Kane scores the goal. I've got him on a 300mm lens. I get the goal picture. I get four frames off on the 300. He's running towards me. I know he's going to jump out the frame. So I drop yeah. to a 20, 24 to 70 uh, Canon lens. There you go. I've got him in front of me, all the players behind him. It becomes a you know a classic shot at a World Cup. So how much research do you do for like a World Cup? Because obviously you're covering England. So at the moment, that's like your main focus, excuse yep. the pun. Um so do you do a lot of preparation? Do you have to do you watch games or is it just just through working the games you start to know body language and you can tell what players are going to do? And obviously, you know, celebrations because I've spoken to other um, sports photographers who sort of say, oh, yeah, I know in this game, uh, same as concert photographers, uh, a friend of ours, Alan Hess, he goes, oh, yeah, whenever I shoot that band, I always know in that number he's going to jump off the drum stand, there are splits in the air and like land and I'm, I know I'm going to get that shot. Wow, that's so, incredible! Oh, I didn't know that. I didn't know that. Yeah, you do it. Yeah, you you know if there's a bank of three, four thousand England fans, nine times out of ten, if England score, they're going to either go to the right or they're going to go to the left. But if yeah. they're playing an away game in a qualifier and there's just England fans behind one goal, you go you go for the England fans behind one goal. Yeah, you 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 you, you just try and read their minds. 
You know, you you, you haven't got to put. You know, in them days, you, the player will tell you where you're going to where he's going to celebrate. But today's player certainly wouldn't do that. No chance. No chance. Yeah, and uh, and back in the day, they used to be able to run and jump over everything. And now I saw they can get a yellow card just for pulling the shirt over their that's, head. That's right. I think there was a rule as well that if if every single player, every single player leaves the pitch, the opposing team can automatically kick off. I think Portugal celebrated the other night against Spain. They had 10 players off the field and one player stayed on the field, didn't they? And that means that Spain couldn't kick off. Yeah, because as long as the goalkeeper's in his goal, yep. as long yep. as the other players are off the pitch, they can kick off. I saw that. I was going to mention yeah. that because, yeah. again, that's one of those little moments that I saw someone captured. So for this World Cup then, because um, obviously you've done previous World Cup, previous World Cups, what what was your preparation for this year? Because obviously you know England are coming, you know you're going to the training sessions. Like from day one of knowing you're preparing, what do you need to take with you? What uh, you know? What do you need to be as a, as an England World Cup photographer? What do you go out with? What's your um, main objective? My main objective is to cover the day to day running of the England camp. So with with me equipment wise, there'll be Free Canon 1DXs, uh, free transmitters on the side of the camera, a 500mm F4, a 300mm 2.8, press conferences, etc., and the games, 24 to 70. That's a, like a, a standard lens beside you. Then you've yeah. got your you got all the remote kit as well, which is uh, two 1DX Mark 1s, pocket wizards, and for, for that, when we're working in the media centres as well, I, I just couldn't carry any any helicroms out here so i'm using you know uh canon flash guns with remote slaves on them and, and a small brolly just to to produce some studio light as well i just yeah. physically you can't carry all that equipment out here anymore it's just too much so what's your like for a match like for the first game that you had what's your setup process so how, how soon before the game are you allowed in what kind of stuff are you allowed to set up if you're a normal Premier, example, if you're a normal Premier League game, you'd be there three hours before. But this a World Cup, you're you're there five hours before because, luckily, when you do an England game, you're priority one. But you have to get a priority one ticket to get the priority one ticket with three hours to kick off. Because you, so you want to be caught. You want your name want to be called out first to get the best seat. You can only have one seat. You can't change ends officially. But you can walk down the other end, and if there's a spare seat when England are going the opposite way, yeah. you can uh, you can sit in the spare seat. But as we go later into the competition, seats will become more scarce because there'll be less games on and more photographers around. Right, got you. So you for you getting a priority one then, or like your boarding pass getting yes, on early. yeah, good line. There. <laughs> um, so you obviously you're a senior photographer. Are like how many photographers have you got at an England game? Just just on average for that luckily, first World Cup match. Luckily, at the moment, I think there was only about one hundred and twenty-five. But I did hear for the opening match in Moscow, there was over two hundred and fifty photographers at that game, and they stretched all behind both goals and went all the way down the whole touchline. And I certainly wouldn't want to be shooting football from a touchline. No chance. I was- yeah, I was going to say, because I know Scott Kelby, um, who we'll speak about later, he shoots American football. And, and I saw that they they generally move around and they shoot from the touchline because he famously got belted by one of the players who ran straight into him and, and smacked right on his camera But because mm. they shoot from the side. And I know generally, I didn't know whether for, for football is uh, you always see the photographers at each end behind the goal. Was that is that the only place you're allowed? Uh, in the World Cup, if you're a number one, you'll definitely get behind the goal. I... Personally, would only want to shoot football from behind the goal. I, I I do not like shooting football side on. It doesn't make goal pictures, but but at the end of the day, it can make great celebrations. But as I said, the the player runs away with his arms stretched out and he runs along the line. You at the side, you're going to get that picture. Yeah. So you have how many remotes set up for for goal? I would have two remote two remote cameras set up behind the goal because I'm greedy. Yeah. <laughs> It's like fishing. You put out extra bait, so you, you know you stand a chance of getting a decent picture. Yeah, and does that priority one give you the like you get out and get yours in first? Is there a limit? Are they like right? No more remotes. We've got. Like- yeah, sometimes they can say up to twenty, and that'll be it. Yeah, up to twenty, oh, and right, that'll okay. be it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And 
have you ever cheekily stuck a camera anywhere else that you've just thought, I wonder if I can get away with this, like strapped it to something or... Do you know, years years ago when Wembley Stadium, when it was the old Wembley Stadium, had these beautiful nets, and literally just before the game kicked off, you'd be there and you'd put your camera through one of the holes in the nets and that used to make an unbelievable remote picture, but you wouldn't get away with that in this day and age. You go behind the net, probably a couple of feet back, and you have all the netting in it. But them early remotes at Wembley Stadium made great pictures. Yeah. I mean, some of the ones with the nets look really good, because I know you, you had the, the, uh, the Joe Hart one that you did uh, was really good. But you, I think you're saying uh, the World Cup this year, the nets look like much smaller. So has that been a problem? Yeah, definitely. They're like, uh, if you can imagine, like they're like fishing nets. And if I've, I've seen it, I've had a gold picture, but your eye, your eye goes to the net. It doesn't go to the ball in the action because the nets are, uh, nets are too uh, are too big. <clears throat> when we're doing Premier League football and and nets are like half the size, but they make great pictures in England. So yeah, it's going to be difficult to get a decent remote picture here. Definitely, definitely. I was going to say because doesn't the camera like auto focus on the net because it's so fine in front of you or. I pre I will definitely pre-focus between the six-yard line and the goal line. That's how I do right. it. Pre-focus the cameras. I use uh, uh, I I turn the cameras on live view, so I can yeah. get a pit, so I can literally photograph on a on a leaf of grass and do it that way, and, and it works well. You you shoot in wide open apertures, probably sixteen hundred per second at two point eight, two point two, something like that. If it, yeah, and if it's not sharp, it's not sharp. Don't send it. And at the end of the game go and collect it all up, move on to the next one. We do, but international wire agencies are literally tethering them, uh, they're tethering out via Ethernet cables and every single frame that their remote cameras are taking is being sent to a computer for editing or for viewing. So right. we, we have to wait to the end of the game, but the international wire agencies, they can tether their cameras out. Oh, right. So you're obviously covering the three England games to start off with. Yep. If England, obviously if England go on, you stay. If England go out, do you automatically just get called back or do the Sun say, look, you're out there, go, stay on, get the semis, get the final, or do you not have that authorised? Are you only authorised to shoot your home nation? I am all, I am paid up to go to the quarterfinals. This is, this is a really expensive trip. Uh, my first ever World Cup was 94. Wasn't allowed to stay there because of the costings. I was in Orlando. Once Ireland went out, I thought, that's it, I'm going to LA. No, you're not, you're yeah. coming back. But then the next World Cup in France, 98, we drove there. I think I've done about six, 7,000 miles driving all around France. And luckily yeah. for me, I got to shoot that. That was my first World Cup final in France. So that was good. I remember that. that because it was France versus Brazil in France, got to the stadium. They said, no, no pitch. You've got to go in the stands. And, I, and it's oh, like, ah, no. oh, World Cup final in the stands. No, I can't do this. And the door was open uh, and I just went through the door, went on the pitch, sat down and that was it. I stayed there. I stayed <laughs> there and I shot the World Cup final without a ticket, basically. Oh, brilliant. There, see, sometimes, yeah. mate, you've just got to you've just got to pretend like you're meant to be there, and people will just assume you're meant to be there. It's a blag. <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's it. <laughs> Typical East London boy is going to blag his way through anything, isn't he? Yeah, you always say, "All right, mate, how you doing?" And they, they, it feels like you're there, aren't it? <laughs> yeah. So switching on, to, obviously, you're now you're, you're out there and you're capturing um, for the sun. Now, I know you've, yep. you've become quite prominent on Instagram and Twitter over the last couple of years, and you've been posting a lot yep. of images. So is that, are you are you, uh, are you you posting those pictures as yourself or as the sun, or are, are you allowed to shoot for yourself when you're at a match? Uh, I can shoot whatever I want, but there's times when, if you were to take, say, a nice silhouette or a nice sunset, et cetera, et cetera, a nice sporting image, I know it's not going to go in the sun. So right. I want to I want to share I want to share with that image and if someone takes time to put favorite next to my pictures or or send or just said say say to me nice picture on 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 Twitter I think it, you've you've got to respond to someone they're taking time to look at your work aren't they Yeah at, yeah I don't I'm, I'm not into all of this people having goes at people I like just 
just to see nice pictures. You know, I do it to my... It's like a competition in a way between yourself who can produce the best images for Instagram. And it's nice to see that because I know like the England game the other night, you straight away you managed to post a couple of pictures of Harry Kane. And, yeah. you know, social media has changed the playing field so much with sports yep. photography because everything is instant. Um, I guess as as a sports photographer, you've got to keep up with that kind of stuff anyway to keep your name out there. People yep. know that you're at these events. And you know, and there's some cracking cracking images on, on your Instagram account, which we'll, we'll link to at the end. But... Um, is that like once you finish the you finish the shoot, you go back? Do you already know in your head that like oh I know what I know what one I'm going to put up there? Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, I think you're right. And as you say, with with the Instagram, you put the hashtags England, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I don't know how Instagram works. People <laughs> obviously do that, and they're they're looking at your pictures, aren't they? It's it's yeah. crazy. It's crazy, and people are taking time to look at your pictures. But yeah, I, yeah, I like to do it. Yeah, I like to do it. Definitely, definitely. I like not every picture makes the edit of the paper, does it? And uh, as a photographer, you, there's times when you, okay, you send in, say, 50 images and only two or three are going in. You think, oh, why have you picked that picture? Oh, well, we, it didn't fit the shape. You know, that sort of scenario of a newspaper. Yeah. That that That's the usual one of the office. It didn't fit the shape. So, yeah, you put your best images on Instagram. I don't, I don't care. I, 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 I'll share the material, people. So what's your process then for a photographer? You've gone out, you shot the England game. Obviously, you can't get your phone out at the match and do it. So just for anyone who's who shoots sports and wants to get on Instagram, what, what process do you have to do that in the evening? Well, I'm quite, I'm quite lucky because I, I will have a remote editor who's sitting in uh, Luton. So I'm, I'm filing the game off of free Ethernet cables. Every time I want to send a picture to him, I'm just going ping and sending it back to Pete. He's sending it on. But at the end of the game, I've still got a roll or, or not a roll. <laughs> I'm going back yeah. to the film days there. A disc full of images. So then I would 100% I want to see, keep my best my best images to, to, to save them. So, you know, they're going into my hard drive and then I'm looking down. But, of course, the Harry Kane celebration, you can't fail. I've got about five frames of that. Pick your best one. But then you want to change, you know, as a sun photographer, a sun photographer doesn't shoot on a 28 to 70, but the other night I had to, you know, I had to, you know, because he was so close to me and it, it, it did make a big, beautiful, bold image. It was great. Yeah, it was great. Yeah. yeah, it was great. So if you ever had one of those moments where you just think, God, I just wish I had my mobile here because I want to get a selfie. I want to get me in this <laughs> shot. When my, daughter, when my daughter edits for me, she comes to boxing and like I'm sitting on the edge of the world because I'm in the front row with the boxing, but she literally sits behind me and edits as I take pictures because fights are 10.30 at night. But when the boxers are making the interest, she, intros, she uh, gives me a camera and I have to Snapchat whatever the kids do just to show she's in the front row <laughs> of the boxing. <laughs> and she gets more hits than I do because, you know, she's got this great images so you say she's your photo editor she's a photo editor at the sun she's a assistant photo editor yeah she uh she was due to go to uh where was she gonna go she was gonna go to university to study pe and all of a sudden she went no i'm not gonna do that uh and then luckily a friend of mine said does your daughter know anything about photoshop and i went yeah she should do because she used to sit behind me like from the age of 12 when you're at home on a Saturday night editing your football ready to go in on a Monday morning she'd be sitting behind me but really yeah. she was she was studying what I was doing so she, you know she she knew photoshop so at 19 years of age she was in on the sun not being paid and yeah. then after two weeks they said right put a shift in and then she hasn't looked back since now she, you know she's number two assistant photo editor on the online desk she can't nice. take a she can't take a picture, but she she can certainly edit a picture. She, she knows a she picture. Yeah, keep her old man in check. Definitely. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, she does a box. So speaking of Photoshop and obviously putting the mileage in, I know when we spoke a couple of years ago, you you'd had an operation, uh, which kind of obviously took you off your feet and you couldn't go and shoot. So what did you do with that time? I mean, I know what the answer is, but mm. just tell me what what you did with that time and what you've learned from it. I certainly didn't want to sit uh, sit down and watch loose women every day, so uh, <laughs> I found these couple of fellas on the internet, Glenn Dewis and uh, Dave Clayton, and they they sort of pointed me in the right direction, and then I got into Kelby training because I really wanted, I really we didn't know enough about Photoshop. No one knew about Photoshop. All of a sudden, this 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 Macintosh appeared and it had Photoshop in it, and no one knew what these these things could do, and I really 
wanted to learn something because, as I say, we had to have six months off for this operation yeah. I did. And I, I really got into it and I started looking at like Calvin Hollywood stuff, his style, Glenn, yeah. Glenn Dewis's style. And it was Joel Grimes as well. And S- Scott Kelby, because he's quite good on, he's good on Lightroom. I never knew a he's thing about it. He's not bad. No, he's not <laughs> bad. I, I knew nothing about Lightroom. I'm heavily into Lightroom now, really using that. It's, it's, it's a, but how I work is I've got to edit a picture. People can't believe that I shoot raw. You know, what's the okay. point of driving? Yeah, people can't believe that I shoot sports at all for them raw. You know, what's the point of, you know, driving a Ferrari and you're using a mini engine in it? You know, you. you, you <laughs> Yeah, you keep shooting JPEGs, but, you know, I'll keep shooting raw any day of the week. You know, Photoshop allows you to do that, definitely. It slows you down, I guess, as well, because shooting raw just that brings that camera speed down a little bit. Because I know, obviously, J- JPEG, you almost shoot in 4K video, mm. the amount, you know, the speed of them. So shooting raw slows you down a little bit. And like you say, I, I mean, I know I've seen some of the stuff you did. So as the sun photographer, I remember when, when we first got you looking at some Kelby stuff and yep. you were explaining that, uh, you just wanted to add something to what you could already do with photography, yeah. And you got into compositing, and you had you did actually have some of your images in the sun that were your composites that you'd done. Yeah, we did. Yeah, well, first of all, you got it's it's knowing the key, isn't it? How you shoot the studio shoot. I I shot. I remember I shot Robin Van Persie. Shot him in a studio. One basic light, two lights on the side. Cutting the side out with the optical lupe tool. I think Glyn told me on on the Kelby. Then I shot a stadium. I shot a stadium shot in yeah. HD, HDR. Put it together, and I got a brilliant image of you know Robin Van Persie in Highbury, and he was never there. Yeah, and, but you know you got your headphones on, and Glyn's talking away, and Calvin's <laughs> talking away. Stop. Right, I got that bit, but that it does make it simple. It does make it simple. I'm not, and I'm you not, have to I'm stay not, ahead. Not, yeah, you do. You have to stay ahead. You've got to, you know, with the filters as well. The Nick, you know, Nick Pro filters and the Topaz filters. They do, they do things for your work, hundred percent. Yeah, and it's not, you know, some people say, oh, I don't like plugins, I don't like filters, they're cheating. But at the end of the day, you know, you're shooting for an audience, and they want to see the best, most eye-catching image and when you've not got an action shot and you like you say you've got a studio shot uh you've just got to give it that extra little bit to make people stop and like look at the sun rather than the other newspaper we won't mention them the other yeah. newspapers and and it's just making a great shot out of every opportunity you've got and which which brings me on to this is it's not just football that you shoot is it either you know i, lo- I love shooting boxing I love boxing. Boxing, it, it just makes brilliant pictures. You might have seen some. I, I love putting boxing pictures into black and white because you know yeah. people come back to me and say, "Wow, why'd you put that into black and white?" I say, "It, it just, it just shows boxing, doesn't it?" And yeah, it's just so, so good. I've shot the, you know, I shoot the Olympic Games. I've done six Olympic Games. Cricket's good in the summer. Love going to Wimbledon. Wimbledon's a great so. Wimbledon's a great social event. Love going to Wimbledon. Yeah, Wimbledon's very good. That's a good social. But get, getting back to the filters, in the days when I first started out on, on agencies, you know, I was photographing the royal family on colour transparency. Yeah, you would get the perfect colours on Kodachrome 100 and Fuji 100, etc., etc. Yeah. You can't do that straight out of a camera with a digit, on a digital camera. No chance. Not unless you're using the raw converters and things like that. Yeah, that's how it is. So you shot the royals as well then? Yeah, yeah. I... Uh, I started, you know, I started, I left work, at six, I left school at 16 years of age, went to an agency on the Monday morning in Fleet Street. Yeah. I was in the dark rooms. I was running around Fleet Streets as a messenger. Uh, I got my first cameras about 18 months later, which was a Nikromat and a Nikon FM. Yeah. And then, and then I was over the bowling, which was my ground, photographing West Ham for the first time, which was good. And so then, that was your, you, you, you popped your cherry at your, at your home team. Yeah, correct. Yeah, it was great. Yeah, it was great. Nice. And then it moved on. I love photographing the royal family, but wasn't allowed to do enough of it on the agency that that I was with. So I went on to photograph the royal family. Uh, and, and in a way, that was like sports photography. It's all long lenses. You're trying to get this amazing, beautiful portrait of the Princess of Wales because, yeah. you know, you know, she was great fashion icon, she was just wonderful to photograph and that was all in transparency it was it was great images before 
when I started on the Thursday agency, my first camera, when I got called up to the big office for my promotion, was uh, a Hasselblad. So that was my first ever news camera was a Hasselblad. And I think wow. it had an 80mm lens and a 150mm lens. I've shot sport on that. I've shot Wimbledon with it. I remember getting my first ever publication on an 80mm Hasselblad lens. I was at a, a boxing press conference and uh, there was these two fighters and uh, I was doing a portrait on one of the fighters. His name was Mark Kaler and Errol Christie. Errol Christie's standing there and I'm doing a portrait of him and Mark Kaler come up. He's banged him on the jaw and I'm going, oh, what do I do here? This young little whippersnapper at 19, 20 years of age. So I stepped back, got me Hasselbaid, click, 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 like an old ticket machine. Oh, I've got to get colour. So I put the colour back in, ripped my finger out with blood from the sheath, put the colour transparency in, shot colour transparency in it. I got every T, I think I got every TV company's news channel and every front page national newspaper for these two boxers fighting in the street. So oh, wow. It was good. Yeah, it was good. So come on, do you, when you've got these shots and you've made the front pages, do you keep them? Have you, is, there, is there a Dickie Pelham scrapbook? They are in the loft framed, yes, but they're not out. I won't have them right. out. I won't have them out. I don't okay. like having trophies out. I don't like having pictures out on show. I have pictures of my dogs out on show, and that's yeah. about it. Because I love photographing my dogs, as people might have seen on my Twitter or my Instagram. Yeah, and let, and while we're on the subject of awards, come on, just uh, tell everyone what what kind of year you had on the awards front, and don't be modest. It wasn't. It wasn't a bad year. Uh, last year, I won Football Photographer of the Year with a picture of Joe Hart making this amazing save. This year, uh, I went in for the same competition, but they uh, pushed it up. They made it uh, ten pictures. You had to have ten pictures in this football portfolio. And I really couldn't be bothered to look at these 10 pictures. But someone said to me, you've got to do it. You've got to do it. You could win that. And I went, no, I can't. I'll never win that competition. So, okay, I looked at it. It was a rainy day. The dogs were soaking wet. We come home and I looked out the pictures and I think I found about 25 pictures. And, and I had to uh, I had to get 10. Yeah. There was, a, there was a very famous goal scored in January of Olivier Giroud. And it was a, it was called the Scorpion goal. Yeah, I remember that. from behind him. And I absolutely nailed that picture. I was I had such bad flu. I nailed that picture. I knew that was a good one because Giroud won FIFA Goal of the Year of it. So I knew that sold it good. And I had a picture of Antonio Conte. That was a good picture. And I had a great picture at West Ham. Anyway, so it's awards night and uh, first award out and they're, they're reading it out. And I won football photographer again for the second year. So I had to go up, pick it up, embarrassed as I was. I'm no good at speeches at all. Halfway through the night, it's coming up for sports picture of the year. And I was nominated for that. And uh, Was that the Conte one? That was the Conte picture when they won the league. Yep, that's correct. On Somewhere I shouldn't have been at Chelsea. And I've got this amazing picture. uh, And I won sports picture of the year with that. But then someone whispered into me ear, by winning the first competition, I can win the overall sports photographer of the year, which was the Ed Lacey Trophy, which is very, very famous. It's been going around since about 1977. Right. And it's the last award of that night. And I was up against horse racing and I was up against Formula One. Uh, and Canon was sponsoring it. And Jackie, ooh, Jackie Moore, she works for Canon. She had to read out the citation and she didn't know who'd won it. And she started off and she said, this year's winner has been in the industry for over... 36 years and he worked for the Sun newspaper for over 29 years and she stopped and I think she was as shocked as me and then <laughs> she called out my name and I had to go up and I had to go up and get this award and like she gave me a big hug and yeah, oh. I, it was a beautiful round of applause you know because a tabloid sports photographer does not win that trophy so it it, it it meant a lot to me to win that it was good yeah and well deserved mate because you know i've i've seen your body of work and we'll we'll mention where your website is later because you know you've got a lot of stuff on there and yep. on social media but you know you're grafting you're doing the miles you've you put in the years and you like i mean you know how to get the shot but sometimes it's still down to luck it's still down to that that right uh composition like you said, the the Conte won the Chelsea manager when Chelsea won the league. Uh, it wasn't just a picture of him. Just explain to, for anyone who wouldn't know that shot exactly what that shot was. You make your own luck. He was walking around the pitch because they'd just won the league. They're doing like a celebration. No trophy. Someone put a fake 
rubber crown on his head. Okay, that's not a bad frame. I'll take that. Click, 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 doing that, waiting. And they went off. And I was in an area I shouldn't have been. And there was these beautiful banners and boards behind the pitch that said the champions. And the team got hold of him and, and, and then they started to chuck him in the air like they do to managers. And luckily for me, I was bang in the middle, all the players, he's going through this champions board, which it, it just might, it, it summed the image up perfect. You know, someone messaged me on Twitter saying, that is the picture of the year. That that just sums up the Premier yeah. League season in one shot. And it was it was nice what the person said to me. It was good. And at the awards dinner that night, Chelsea media department have, they, they have a table and support this awards. And when I won like the overall, they were really made up for me. And then they were singing Antonio, Antonio. <laughs> it, it was it was wonderful. It was really really good for a football club to you know to be singing that to me. It was great. No, it was really really good. It it was a nice touch by him. Really was. And as a West Ham supporter, this is what I was going to ask about being a photographer and being a fan. Um, obviously, like you go to the World Cup, and I'm, you know, sadly there's no West Ham players in the squad this year even easy, though they, did win the, they, they won the world they won the world cup for us in 1966 we'll give them that Thank we'll you. hang her out on that um but obviously you know so you've got players like harry kane and tottenham are you know for for those who are the american audience there's a big rivalry in london and if you're a west ham fan you're not a big tottenham fan so obviously when you go out you're a football fan um and you know you win an award for for Chelsea. You you know you, should, you get you may get let's say you get the photograph of Harry Kane winning the World Cup for England. Um, as a football fan, how do you contain your excitement when you're in that position? You have you have to stay professional one hundred percent because at the end of the day you're working you're being paid to come out here to cover the World Cup to get the big pictures. When last minute. Everybody wants England to score. What did we have? Thirteen point eight million viewers on the BBC watching this game, and I'm sitting on the edge. I'm sitting on the edge of the world with my three hundred mil lens, and the ball comes over to Harry Kane. He nuts it in. All of a sudden, he's turned away. He's running towards me. The cannon choir's going. The shutter's going. There's four yeah. or five frames going, and then he's getting bigger and bigger in the frame. And you think, right, what do you do here? But it's instinct. Then you drop to the 28 to 70 and all of a sudden he's sliding beneath you underneath the advertising balls. So you stand up and you're going click, 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 click. You're getting that image and then he's facing the crowd. He's celebrating. You're doing a few more pictures and then yeah. he comes back and he's right by your side and he's kissing the badge on the shirt, but you're still taking pictures. And then once he's turned and left the building and walked up, <laughs> then you can go get in there. And you you, you 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 forget about all the rivalries. An England player and he's wearing an England shirt and you want him to see him do well and you want to see England win the World Cup because we haven't done it since 1966. Absolutely, yeah, in our lifetime, which is Correct. It's something I was, I was throw at football fans, so at least we've won it in our lifetime. So if you have, so if you ever, because I know famously a lot of uh, players swap shirts after games have you ever managed to get a shirt off a player it, through your relationship with the players at the clubs you've had over the years I have got Paul Gascoigne we spoke about him I've got his second ever Lazio shirt signed on on a wall it's in the shed but on a wall like a man cave outside it's got to Richard photo off Paul Gascoigne right uh, photo off I did say uh I got Teddy Sheringham's last shirt for West Ham, and I got Ian Wright's last shirt for West Ham. So, and I got this amazing picture of uh, Paul Robinson. He was an England goalkeeper, and he yeah. he made this save against Wales, and they compared it to Gordon Banks from John Hartson. I don't know if you ever remembered it. Yeah, someone, yeah, I remember that. And then someone messaged me. They said, "Oh, uh, he wants that picture. Is there any chance he can have it?" And I went, "Yeah, okay, as long as I can have his gloves." And he signs them, and he did oh, it. Oh wow. Yeah, and I've got him. Yeah, I've got him. He gave me his gloves, and I gave him the picture. And he so you've had, a, you've had a nice few little personal trophies through the years of, of yeah, you know, the, be yeah. the benefits of putting the miles in. Yeah, but I'm not into sticking awards on shelves or putting pictures on the walls. You're as good as your last picture. You're as good as your yeah. last picture. That's how I. It's a very famous saying in Fleet State. You're as good as your last picture, or as good as your picture, or as good as your picture editor thinks you are. Yeah, <laughs> it's true. It's true. I know, and Glyn said that as well. Really? You know, wow. Yeah, yeah. You know, you're as good as your last job. Yeah, that, yeah, that's totally. What, that's what you're doing. Yeah, totally. Right. So outside of football then, what do you like shooting? What's what's kind of your... Hobbies. Like you're not sh yeah, shooting for yourself. What do you love shooting? 
I love photographing me Vimeramas. My, my wife's, me and my wife's Vimeramas. They're, they're great to photograph. If anybody out there like these East German hunting dogs, they're beautiful things to photograph. They've got their own characteristics, love posing. But uh, I go off to the Red Sea quite a bit and I uh, love photographing sharks. All I do is go on, go on about sharks. We, right. went a, we went on a trip. Uh, where did we go? We went out real, some real, real good dive sites in November, about eight, nine out, nine hours out into the Red Sea. Yeah. And it was like oceanic white sharks everywhere. It was, they're great to photograph, but it's only a hobby. I couldn't spend money on, on underwater equipment like some of them, um, you know, some of these great underwater photographers. I, I respect them. I respect them so much. I follow someone on, uh, Instagram, great the great whites, and they post pictures of these great white sharks every day of the week. I'd love, I'd love to go in a cage and photograph them. Are you, really you fancy doing it? Oh, too right. People say to me, "Are you mad?" No, <laughs> because when you're in the water with these, they're, you're upright against them, and, and, and no threat because you're not making any, you know, sudden movements or anything. You're just sitting there like you're in space, and these sharks are going past you. They make great pictures. So that's your own gear you take out because obviously you were talking about all the gear for England. Yeah. How much of how, what do you personally own? What do I personally own? Oh God! For diving, it would be a Canon G16, which is a snap happy camera, but it's really really good because you put it on RAW. If you have got the RAW file, it's like having the negative. Uh, set of strobes for it, you know, just to really light the subjects underwater because yeah. all the colours change underwater, and a decent housing really. You know, it's probably fifteen hundred pounds worth of uh, amateur equipment, so that's not too bad, is it? You know, a bird watcher would spend that, wouldn't they? So I yeah. suppose I'm a, like an, an avid bird watcher underwater. So you're never taking the big Nikon's out, Canons, please, Canons. Oh, Canons, sorry, sorry. Yeah, you, 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 you oh yeah, you fam- famously switched. So, so how long? So no, you, I wouldn't. Ta- I, I would certainly not take a one DX Mark II underwater case. The housing flooded. I had a friend who did all the underwater stuff at London 2012. And when they were putting the cameras down on the pool deck to do the underwater shots, someone left the door un- undone and they flooded the uh, the housing and wrecked a 1DX Mark One and a 24 to 70 zoom lens. So I don't fancy <sighs> doing that in the Red Sea. So the gear you shoot with for the sun, is that does that belong to the sun or have you got your own set of gear as well? I've got my own set of uh, equipment as well, a set of... Uh, yeah. 1DX Mark IIs, I think I've got a 300mm laying around. As a photographer, you buy gear, don't you? They're my my remote triggers as well. There's no way the paper would buy me remote triggers. No chance. What do you want them for? Oh, because you put the pictures in the paper every day of the week. That's why. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) I remember a photographer saying to me once, um, it was at the photography show, uh, which reminds me, I'm going to ask you about public speaking quickly. Yeah. But um, he, he came up to me and I, I said, like, you're having a good show. And he's like, yeah, yeah, it's really good. I said, have you bought any gear? He goes, well, I didn't intend on buying gear, but I've ended up buying a lens. He yeah. said, so I'll have, to, I'll have to get that in home past me, missus. And I laughed and I said, I think that's you and the other 29,000 people here. And he said, I'll tell you what, though, I always say, if anything ever happens to me, never let my missus sell my gear for what she thinks it's worth. <laughs> the photography, them photography, shows you know i've done it once before i did it i did it for nikon i was so scared for weeks then you got you and glenn up on the stage you just make it so easy there's another uh, lady uh hannah cousins as well she yeah, she, 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 she does it for pro photo she gives me stick oh you baby come and do some talking you'd be great at it no chance no way would you get me up there and say i i, I did it for nikon I said, right, we'll talk about my pictures. So they, they bring up a picture. We spoke yeah. about the picture. Get to the end of the hour later. Any questions? No. Oh, that's great. I got that easy. Walk off the <laughs> stage and I'm there two hours later asking questions because people don't, they don't want to ask questions because they think they're, they've got no right to. But they, this is what these shows are for, aren't they? They're brilliant, these shows. Yeah. I mean, you could easily do a show and, a show and tell because you've got a great body of work. And, um, and you know, and I actually work with the photography show because McGlynn Glenn and myself were there and someone like you would be great mate just to get up and do a like talk about like the the the, the behind the scenes of being a sports photographer I think you'd be really interesting to, to watch and listen to because you know you are award-winning uh, genuinely award-winning mm. and and you're grafting as well I recently did uh, I 
I did a uh, a TV uh, sort of interview. There's a new photography magazine coming out, and they said they they saw that I won the SJAs, and I went, yeah, okay, I'll do it, I'll do it, and I I, I got us into the London Stadium when I took the Mark Noble picture, and like these two yeah. girls were like, wow, what a stadium. They went, do you work here all the time? Yeah, it's easy. It's fine. There's Ethernet points over there. But I did it. I really enjoyed it. I think it's due to come out really soon. I'll I'll put it on uh, my Twitter when uh, it goes live. So if people are interested, I think it's about a 10 minute, 10 minute interview. But I really did enjoy doing it. But you, it's, it's, it's hard. It's hard for me to do it. It really is. Yeah, it's not for everyone. I mean, you say about me and I mean, Glenn's a natural. He when he was oh, younger, yeah. he went to drama school. But I, you know, in all seriousness, uh, all the stuff I've done with Kelby One is Scott only asked me. Uh, well, I just did my third Photoshop world. I did my first Photoshop world when I was fifty, mm. and when and I I had a little uh, forty-five minute class. Oh, that was a little hour class, and the projector went down like two thirds of the way through. That was my first ever, my, and, and I'm saying my first ever public speaking appearance. It was in front of 40 wow. people and, and the projector went wrong. But having been around Glyn and watched other people and see how they behave, I was nervous, but mm. I enjoyed it because I was talking about something I love. And then when I did it the following year, I was still a little bit nervous because then I've got a bigger room and I've got more people. Um, this year, I absolutely loved it because you know, like, like you would be is you, you love what you do. And that's what I love about people like yourself is you do genuinely love it. You're a, you're a sports fan. You've got the privilege of shooting it. I think when that passion comes through, it comes through in your photographs. And I think if you stood up and spoke about it, um, and hopefully, you know, people listening to this podcast will hear how passionate you are about it. Um, I think you'd be a cracking speaker, mate, when you hang the camera up. Mm, I, I, I went back to, I went back to my school, another photographer that you know quite well, Mark Robinson. He went to my school as well, and I taught Mark Robinson. So the headmaster, he said to me, oh, will you, will you come back to, to the school and give uh, a talk to the kids? I went, mm. he said, go on, it'll be good. You inspire the kids, you know, what's come out of this school, because a lot of sports people come out of there. I went, yeah, go on, and yeah. I'll do it. I'll do it. So I've got a load of pictures together and whatever, and you've got all these kids in the front row. Hello, uh, oh, Richard Pelham, blah, blah, blah. I went to this school. So who wants to be a photographer then? Not one hand went up. Really? Oh, right. This will be interesting. <laughs> <laughs> but then someone put the hand up and said, oh, I'd love to get into radio. And it broke the ice. And then you start to show your pictures. And all of a sudden, so, oh, do you know Cristiano Ronaldo? And it's like, bang, there's your next picture. Yeah. And you had them, It's just what you say. You have them eating out your hands, don't you? I suppose if you're doing it all the time, you know, like the daily Instagram blogs like uh, Hannah Cousins does and Glyn does as well. Yeah. Yeah, yeah but... I think I'd, I'd think I'd get ripped to shreds if I did that on Instagram every day. I really yeah. would. And speaking of speaking of youngsters and rookies, it's like a twofold question here. Obviously, with the dawn of digital and now you know it's everywhere. People, you know, people are shooting amazing stuff with their iPhones. Is com- not competitively, but as a working sports photographer, you obviously see a massive change now, where a lot of people are perhaps getting the privilege of shooting with maybe not the background or the experience, does that make it harder for you? I think it does, yeah. There's professionals, semi-professional stroke professionals that have come through and they're learning their, and they're learning the trade and they're looking and they're listening. But it's very hard for people to get into sports, you know, into football photography because you've got to be licensed. It's very, yeah. very difficult to get into a football game. You can't just rock up like we did in when did I start? 1982, 1983, and you rang up a football club and you, I'm Richard Pelham, sports photography. Could I have a pass for today's game, please? And you got it. You wouldn't get that in this day and age, no chance. No, I know, um, a, 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 I say, a young lad uh, who kind of contacted us early on when he wanted to join the NAP, but it's probably Kelby one, actually. And at the time, he was uh, he was going out and shooting his local team, which I think was Hayes and Yedin, and he just fancied doing it. He got his camera and he was going out and shooting and the, the club noticed him and they used a couple of his photos for the programme. And then he kind of then got up to another non-league side and he was going out every Saturday, Sunday, midweek, just shooting these games. He was you know, lucky enough to get a pass in non-league, which was obviously easier. Um, and he's over the past, I would say probably four or five years, you know, I know he's, I know he's really excited because I remember him texting me once going, I'm sat next to Dickie Pelham. Oh, wow. and it's, uh, his name's John, uh, John Patrick Fletcher. And I know 
Um, yeah, I know him. Yeah, you know yeah. He, he sat next year, and he's a, he's a you know he's still I guess he's still in terms of of sports photography, he's still a rookie, but he's yeah. going out there, and I take my hat off to him because he's 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 grafting. He's hard, going out. He's yeah, doing the matches. Hard, yeah, it's a hard world for him, isn't it? It's a hard world for anybody. But as you say, yeah, he he's out there grafting. I know of him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's not you, and you're not getting rich off it either. No way. No one is. No chance. Not in not in sports photography. Not a prayer. No one is. But you get your shots and you win the awards, which are well deserved. But um, yeah. I mate, I could talk to you for ages. But I know we're up, we're up for an hour now, and I know you're out in Russia and you've got stuff to do, and you're two hours ahead. So yeah. I'm going to say, uh, where can people find you? People can look on Instagram at Dickie Pelham, D I C K I E P E L H A M, and then they can find me on Twitter, exactly the same thing, Dickie Pelham. Yep, and you've got a website as well, www dickiepelham.com nice and, and easy if someone sends me a message i'll always answer back oh that's good of you mate now i just want to say it's been an absolute pleasure chatting to you because i know like we've only bumped into each other briefly um so i thank you for your time mate so i know you're out there grafting and bring you're going to bring home the pictures of us winning the world cup and hopefully by the time this goes out we've qualified out the group <laughs> Or or you're on your way home and you've sat at home with the dogs. <laughs> I'll be at Wimbledon. I'll go straight there. Oh, of course you will. <laughs> right. <laughs> but no, thank you very much, mate. Really appreciate it. I hope everyone's enjoyed listening to you because I could talk to you for another hour about what you do. Um, but we'll get you on another time because I want to talk more about some of your other sport that you've done. Um, Definitely. Because I know you've got a lot more to tell us. So thank you very much. Um, enjoy the World Cup. Let's come home. Let's Let's come home with a trophy if not we're going to go into the euros with a really good side definitely definitely take care and thanks for thanks for doing it yeah my pleasure mate thank you very much cheers cheers bye okay <laughs> so you're listening to he shoots he draws with <laughs> glenn jewis and dave clayton so am i doing this bit yeah oh <laughs> sorry i thought you said you're doing the intro <laughs> <laughs>